0: Thanks for being here together with us. My name is Matt Rawlings, one of the pastors here, and we are grateful. Oh, you may be seated, by the way, in case you're wondering. (laughs) Uh, We are grateful that you would join together here with us. Um, We count it a privilege to be able to worship God together. Um, Thank you especially for coming when it is daylight savings time. It is rough to lose an hour of sleep, so thank you for doing that as well, for making that sacrifice Um, For those who are new, we have been going through the book of John, and in case you were wondering why the book of John, why are we doing this, we decided to begin the book of John many, many months ago when we were considering what did God have for us next. We had originally planned to go into the book of 1 Corinthians, but what we felt like was that God was redirecting us to focus our attention on Jesus, and I think that was divine. That was a, a, a providential redirection for us of, of getting us to refocus our attention on Jesus. Because so often we can focus our attention so many other places. We can put our attention and our emphasis on so many other people and things and ideas. And yet, we have been really enjoying focusing on Jesus, on who He is. And, and today, we're going to see uniquely that, that Jesus, He is the one who keeps us as well. So turn your Bibles to John chapter 17. If you're titling your sermon notes, you can just write at the top there, Kept in Christ by Christ's Prayer. Or just shorter, Kept in Christ by Christ. We are kept in Christ Christ by Christ, and we get to see that this morning. So join with me as we read the high priestly prayer of Jesus today. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything... And I'm coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, so that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, and which you have given me. I've guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves." I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit to impress upon John and all the disciples these words. Thank you for for saving these these words, this prayer of Christ for us. Thank you for saving this for us so that we can see your heart for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you keep us through your prayer for us. I pray that we would would have renewed confidence in you. We would have renewed trust in you. That we would Lord, see from your prayer what you desire for us and that, Lord, we would pursue that and rest in your ability to keep us in that. I pray that you would empower me by your Holy Spirit to speak your words and you would give ability to each and every one of us who are tired here today to hear your words. God, it is a supernatural endeavor that that you enable us to hear your word. Would you give us that grace today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love my wife and I love my children. That's no secret, I hope. I, I love them in a unique way. I, 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 have, I have lots of people that I care for. I, I love my uh, extra local family. I care about them. I care about my extended family. I care about my friends. I care about the church. I care about you. Uh, but I love my family, my immediate family, in a unique way. I, I don't think it's wrong of me. I think it's, it's right that we do that. And if, if you have a family that God has given to you in some way, I hope you can relate in some way, that you love them in a unique way, that, that you don't love other people. And in your desires for them, my desires for my family, I have unique desires for them and I have, uh, I have concerns for them and I pray for my family and I care for them and I think about them in ways that I don't other people. That doesn't mean I don't pray for all of you, I do, it doesn't mean I don't care for all of you, I do, but there is a unique bond that I have with my immediate family. I want them to have some certain things. I want them to know some certain things. I want them to know my love for them. I want them to be provided for. I want them to be kept safe. I want them to know God, to love him. There's about a thousand things I can think of that I'd want for my kids and for my wife, but you know, it can all be reduced down. It can all be boiled down to really just those few handful of things. I want them to to know that I love them, want to know that God loves them, want them to know, love God, and want them to be provided for and kept safe. And if I pray for them, I don't pray everything possible for them, but, but those are really the most important things. If you're going to ask me, what do you really want for your kids when they grow up? And, and that would be what I would answer. I'd say, I, I really want them to know that I love them, that God loves them, that I want them to love God. I want, the, I want them to be provided for and kept, be kept safe. And yet, I'm not able to, to make those things happen. Only God is able to make those things happen, and so I, I live dependently. Jesus, who is praying this prayer, he is praying for his family. He's praying for those he cares most about. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't love the world. He loves the world. It says, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Jesus loves the world so much that he gave himself for them, and yet what we see here is a particular love. We see a particular affection. We see the affection of Jesus as he's praying for his family. And he doesn't pray everything possible. You might be aware of, of a thousand different things in your life that you need help with. And yet, what Jesus is doing here is he's praying for what's most significant, what's most important. And what Jesus is praying for is that you might be kept. Is that he's, he's praying that you might be kept in him. And he's praying that, that, he, that God would keep you. And, and, and the interesting thing about Jesus, the big difference between, between us is that Jesus is actually able to keep you. And what we see, really, what we need to, to understand from this prayer is that Jesus' prayer keeps us. Jesus' prayer, it keeps us. And it keeps us because he loves us, he wants what's best for us, he prays those things that are most significant for us, but his prayer also is the means by which he keeps us. Jesus prayed for us, and he prayed in in really four different ways, we're going to see in this passage, and and the first way he prayed that we'd be kept is that he prays for his own glory. You know, i might be thinking, well, wait a minute, how in the world is praying for his own glory keeping us? Well, this scene, it, it occurs right after Jesus has just had a final supper with his disciples. He is... He has given them many instructions about what is going to look like once he goes to be with the Father. He has, he has imparted encouragement to them about the fact that the Holy Spirit will enable them and keep them. and they're just about to head out. They're just about to leave. they're about 12 hours away from Jesus being crucified. They don't know that, but he does. And so he, he prays this most important prayer in his final moments, and, and the first thing he begins praying is that the Father would glorify him. And you might think, well, wait a minute, that's kind of a weird prayer, right? How in the world does that focus on the disciples? He prays, really, for what is most important for them. He prays that he would be glorified in them. He prays that that his name would be exalted, that his name would be lifted up. Why? Because so often we lift up our names, we lift up other people's names, we lift up the causes that we hope in, and what Jesus is saying is, no, Father, I pray that I would be glorified above all things, that they would live for my glory, that people would see my glory. Because living for the glory of Jesus is what we need most. Living to see that he is most exalted, that he is high and lifted up, that he is the one who is over all things, that he is mighty, that he is reigning supreme. That's what we need to see in our lives, and that's what he prays. He prays that he might be glorified. Think for a moment what your first prayer is. This is Jesus' first prayer. He pours out his heart. He prays in front of his disciples because he's wanting them to hear his prayer. He's wanting them to hear what's most important to him for them. And he's praying that he might be glorified. And the truth is that the Father glorifying the Son is the most important thing for the disciples to see and the most important thing for us to see. The most important thing for us to see is that Jesus is magnified, that he is glorified, that he is preeminent, that that he is the one who is reigning and ruling. We need to see his glory, but we also need to see some other things here. Here. We need to see the glory of Jesus as he is willingly giving himself up for all those who are enemies of God and dead set against God. How how is Jesus glorified in that? His love is glorified. So Jesus is praying that he might be glorified, that his love would be glorified. He's also, he's praying that he he would be glorified as he is lifted up as as he is about to head to the cross. He's praying that, that the Father might glorify him. And how did the Father glorify him? Well, he glorified Jesus in his humility. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. We need to see Jesus' glory in his humility. We need to see Jesus' glory in his love. We need to see Jesus' glory in his self-sacrifice for us. We need to see Jesus' glory in the fact that he had mercy on undeserving sinners, which was you and I. That's what we need that he prays for himself to be glorified because that's what we need most when we are faced with difficulties and challenges in life what we need to see most is the mercy of jesus because we need his mercy don't we we're undeserving on our own and yet his mercy is shown in that he died for undeserving sinners when we're tempted to pride we need to see the glorified christ in his humility We need to see the glory of the Son. The Son would also be glorified, and he was praying that he might be glorified through God's wrath. They may wonder, how in the world is Jesus glorified? And, And Jesus is glorified through the wrath of God as he is lifted up, as God pours out all of his wrath on Jesus. Jesus is glorified by revealing the Father's wrath against sin. But he's also glorified by revealing the Father's holiness, The Father bears no unholiness in his presence and that the the just punishment for sin is the punishment that Jesus would receive. And yet in the midst of God glorifying Jesus through his wrath, through his holiness, he would also glorify Jesus through his utmost mercy to us, his utmost grace. The Son would glorify the Father through showing the absolute Love of the Father for the world by sending Jesus to die in place of sinners. And how Jesus could pray that is that that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus prayed this prayer knowing that he had all authority in heaven and on earth and that the Father had given him all authority in heaven and on earth. And precisely because of that, Jesus prayed that he might be glorified. Why? So that we might have life that we may have life, because only as Jesus is glorified, lifted up, as we trust in him, do we have eternal life. And, and look down at verse two, he explains what that eternal life is. He says, this is eternal life, that what? In, in verse three, sorry, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Jesus prayed that we might see his glory, and that through that we might receive life in knowing him. The nature of eternal life, it's knowing God who is life. I I like the way D.A. Carson put it. He says, eternal life is not so much everlasting life as knowledge of the everlasting one. It's not so much everlasting life as much as it is knowledge of the everlasting one. Would God be glorified in us would jesus be glorified in our lives as we come to know him and see his glory we were made to know god although sin separated us and jesus made a way for us to know him it, this is really the fulfillment of the prophecy that god gave to jeremiah for for his people when he, when he prophesied that in the last days he says that i'll make a covenant with my house israel In in Jeremiah 31, 34, he says, No longer shall each teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. And Jesus enables us, seeing the glory of Jesus, it enables us to know God in all his fullness. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not just knowledge about God, but knowing that That God, all that God entails and and having faith and fellowship, trust and personal relationship in him. And our life for all eternity, if you think about it, will be spent in knowing God more and more. Revealing more and more of himself to us is what we'll spend all of our life exploring. The infinite God and and all of his infinite wisdom and grace and love and mercy. And, And as we look to him, we get to know him. And so Jesus prays for that. Jesus says he's already glorified God. He's already done all the work that God called him to do. He's already demonstrated the grace and mercy and kindness and compassion and power and wisdom of God. And he prays that we might know God that way. That, that Jesus might continue to be glorified as we know him. And then he prays, says, Father, glorify me. Looking at verse 5. Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The best thing for us is to see the glory of Jesus in all of his infinite love, all of his infinite wisdom, all of his infinite majesty, all of his infinite holiness is when we begin to understand God and know God. And second way that Jesus prayed for believers is, is that we would be kept in his name. If I want to, if I want to protect something, I try to keep that safe. I have an alarm system at my house. Um, I arm the house. I, I do door checks every night. My kids are like, Dad's a little paranoid about that. And I, I just I, It's one of my jobs. is I try to keep the house secure. So I make sure all the doors and windows are locked every night. I turn the alarm on. If, maybe if you want to keep something safe, you might put it in a safe or a safety deposit box. When we want to we keep something. We, we keep it in something that we believe is secure, something that is strong, maybe even stronger than we're able to keep it on our own. And And what Jesus prays for is that we might be kept in the Father's name. Because His name is secure. His his name is strong. What it it means is that we might be kept in the power of God. We might be kept in, in, in the ability of God. His character, His nature, His ability in His power. Jesus had already made God's name manifest to the disciples. He had demonstrated his greatness, his might. He did all these miracles in the sight of the disciples because he wanted to demonstrate his ability, his authority, and he kept his disciples. He called them to himself. He taught them about who he was. He taught them about his character and nature, the character and nature of God. And Jesus says, I've kept the disciples. Now I want you to keep them. And then he, he says, I'm not, I'm not praying for just everybody to be kept securely in, in your name. I'm, I'm praying For for those whom you've given me. You see, Jesus prays for those who are most dear to him, that they might be kept in him, in his name, in his power. Jesus is not just praying for his disciples back then either. In verse 20, we can see that he's praying for everyone who believes through the word of the disciples, the word that Jesus had given him. You see, Jesus knew he was going away. He was not going to be with them, but the, the, the reality is, is that God is able to keep them safe. God's able to keep you and I safe in his name, in himself. And so he prays that we would be kept in his name, keep us in accordance with his name, keep us in a loyalty to his name, keep us in, in, in and by the power of his name. Keep us in firm fidelity to the revelation of God through Jesus that was Jesus' desire for us is that our desire as well that we might be kept in God's name kept in keeping with his character kept in, in allegiance to him kept in fidelity to all the things that Jesus has revealed about him to us it's how God keeps us safe is by keeping us in his name When you get up in the morning, are you thinking that way? Are you thinking, hey, Lord, would you just keep me in your name? Keep me in accordance with your character. I trust in you and your character, your nature, your ability, your power to keep me. But God, would you keep me living that way? Would you keep me living in a way that's in conformity to your character, your nature? Jesus, would you reveal to me all the areas that are not in conformity with your name, God? And would you help me focus on your name, your glory, and keep me there? Are we living trusting in his name too? Are we living trusting in his power? When you wake up in the morning, are you trusting in your name, your ability to keep yourself? So often that's my first thought, is what what do I have to do today? What do I need to get done? And suddenly I can immediately jump into self-sufficiency. Jesus prayed that we would not be that way, but that we would be kept in the Father's name. Kept trusting in his power. Kept trusting in his ability. May that be our prayer every morning as we get up, is Lord, keep me from trusting in my name, and God enabled me to trust in your name. So Jesus not only prayed that that he was glorified and that we would see his glory, he prayed that we would be kept in God's name, but he also prayed that he would keep us safe from the world. That's the third thing we see is that Jesus prayed that God would keep us safe from the world. You know, I try to do all kinds of things to prepare my family to protect them as they go out into the world. I have all kinds of tactics and and ideas and try to prepare them for different scenarios and situations, but ultimately I'm not able to keep them safe as they go out in the world. Jesus is able to keep us safe. God is able to keep us safe. You see, the difference is I am not everywhere my kids go. When When my kids go out and about... Um, you know, they have these, uh, well, if you have an Apple or a Google phone, whatever you have, this ability to track where your family members are, with their permission, of course. Um, don't be weird. And so, at times, if, if my kids are out and about, I want to make sure that they're safe. Like, hey, I haven't heard from them in a while, and, and they're supposed to be back at a certain time. Where, where are they? I don't want to nag them, but I just want to make sure they're okay, and so I'll check and say, okay, they're fine. They're, they're, they're there. I, I know where they're at. They're at the, whatever, the QT, which may or may not be a safe place. I don't know. I'm not out and about. I'm not able to keep them wherever they go. When Jesus prays that God would keep us safe in the world and from the world, he, he's praying to God who is everywhere, all the time. You are never beyond the reach of God. You are are never in a place where God has like, oh no, where in the world is Joe? Where in the world is Jane? Where, I gotta look that up. No, God always is aware of where you are and so Jesus prays that God would keep us safe from the world and in the world. Jesus said, I kept them in your name when I was with them and I guarded them. I kept them safe. And for the disciples' sake, the disciples might have been wondering, well, wait a minute, what about, what about Judas? And, and Jesus explains that that Judas was destined to be the son of destruction in order to, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Even that was in keeping with God's word and God's plan. And now he says, I'm, I'm, I'm praying that they might be kept safe. I'm praying that they might be kept in you so they might have joy knowing Look, look down at verse 13. He says, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves, that they might know that they are kept in you. Father, I want them to know that. I want them to understand that you are the one who keeps them safe in the world. So they're not fearful when they encounter any situation in the world. No matter what they encounter, no matter what kind of troubles and challenges. So we may have joy in God, knowing that he keeps us. And then how does he keep us? He says, I've give." look in verse 14. He keeps us safe from the world by giving us his word. He says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. How he guards us is by keeping us in his word. He prayed we'd be kept safe from the world and from all his desires. He, he prayed that we'd be kept safe from the world and all that it lives for. What are we living for? What are we longing for? Are you, he says, I'm not in the world. They're not in the world because they're in me. But sometimes we, we can live for and long for things of the world. And if his prayer was that we might not long for the things of the world. We might not live for the things of the world. And you, you need to ask yourself If, if this is Jesus' prayer, we might be kept safe in the world, kept safe from the world, kept safe from the evil one. What are those things that I'm living for? Am I living for the things that, that he lived for? Am I living in the same way that Jesus lived to carry out his Father's will in the world? You see, we continue his mission in the world and, and what Jesus lived for was the Father's glory. He lived for making the name of God known. He lived for seeking and saving the lost. Is that what we're living for? Are we living for the mission that Jesus was on, the very purpose that Jesus is on in the world? That's why he says, I don't pray that you would take him out of the world. If you are on a remote mission and and you're in the military and you've been deployed and your mission is to go and, and capture a certain city, it would be absurd to pull you out of that city before your work was done. Jesus is saying, I'm not not asking that you take them out of the world. Why? Because God's work is not done, and He does His work through us in the world. But He's praying that while we're in the world, He keep us safe from the evil one. Look at verse 15. It says, I don't ask you to take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Just as Jesus was not of the world, He came on a mission to rescue the world, so He's put us here to be a a means of him rescuing the world. And he prays we'd be kept safe while we're here, kept safe on our mission. And and one of the ways that that he prays that we we would be kept safe is to be sanctified in the truth, sanctified in his word of truth. Look in verse 17, he says, Sanctify them, keep them set apart, in the truth, he says your word is truth. We are, we are set apart, we are kept safe as we are set apart for God and set apart by his word, by living for his word. We're kept safe, we're kept set apart, we're kept holy by his word. The means that God uses to set apart his people and make us like him is the word of truth. That's how God sanctifies us. That's how God set us apart. Now, he's not talking about the sanctification process. He's talking about being set apart for him. Sanctify them. Set them apart. Lord, enable them to be set apart for the the mission that you've called them to and sanctify them in your word. Make them holy in your word. Jesus, he... Pray that we might be set apart or sanctified in the truth. And he says that's the whole purpose that he consecrated himself. Look down at verse 19. The whole, the whole purpose of, of Jesus consecrating himself is that he might keep us in him, that he might sanctify us in him. See, the Old Testament priests, they would, they would ceremonially cleanse themselves in order to offer a sacrifice. When Jesus is saying here, he says, for their sake, I consecrate myself. I'm making myself pure. I have made myself pure my entire life. Jesus lived a pure life so that he can offer a pure sacrifice to make us holy and set apart in the truth of who he is. The fourth way that Jesus prayed that we might be kept is he prayed that God would keep us united in him forever. Isn't that good to know? See, when when I die... I'm no longer able to care for my children, for my family. I have to rely on other means. You see, Jesus is the ever-living one. He never dies. God is the eternal one, and so he prays. He says, God, would you keep them in us forever, and would you keep us united in him forever? He says, I don't ask for these only, but for those who will believe me through their word... Jesus is praying for us, for all of us who will believe in him through the word of the disciples, the word of truth that he's given. And look what he prays in verse 21. He prays that they might be united. He prays he might be united. That's why why division, by the way, in the church is so abhorrent because it's a a direct contradiction to what Jesus is praying here. He says, I pray that they may all be one. And look at how they're one. Not one because of preferences, not one because we all, hey, you know what, we love unity, and we're going to decide to be uni- you know, in, in unity together. No, that doesn't last, because preferences will change, personalities will clash, differences will come, but see, our unity, it's got a basis. It's in Christ, just as the Father and Jesus are one. That's the basis for our unity as well. Our unity is, is, is found in the fact that we are all one in Christ. Everyone has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, they are one in him. Just like Jesus is one in the Father, so we are one in Jesus. And, and I think about it with my family, with my kids, sometimes I'll have to remind one of them or two of them or all of them, hey, wait a minute, that's your, that's your sister, that's your brother. Be nice to them. They're your family. Come on. You know, God, God's given them to you uniquely. You need to love them. You have them forever. I'm going to die, but way before them, you're going to have them a much longer time. Be nice to them. Love them. And, and the basis for my appeal is because we're, we have a unique relationship. We're a family. And Jesus makes that same appeal as he prays for us. He says, he says unite them. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so the world might believe that you sent me, and that unity is for a purpose. He prays that we might be kept united in him for the purpose of declaring him. He says, look in verse 23, he says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. Think about those areas that tempt you to disunity in the church, disunity with your fellow believers. Think about those things that challenge you. Think about those things that rub you the wrong way. Now don't dwell on them. (laughs) But all of those things pale in comparison with the fact that we are in Christ and, and he is in us. He has, he has given us a bond. He has made us a family in Him and through Him. And He's made us a family for a purpose. So that the world might know Him. That supersedes all other goals, right? It supersedes all other preferences. It supersedes any other thing, an agenda that we're working towards is the fact that He has made us become perfectly one so the world might know that God sent Jesus and loved us even as the Father loved him. The oneness and the unity of the church is meant to be a witness against all the division and disunity in the world. And there's a lot, right? It doesn't take long to look around and see there's a lot of disunity and division in the world. But the glory of God is seen in the unity and mutual love of the church. And that mutual love for us is so the world might know Jesus through us. Jesus' final prayer in verse twenty-four there is that God would keep his disciples in him to the end. He wants God to keep us united in him, that's how we are kept united, forever with him. What a beautiful, what a beautiful picture to remind us of that this world is not all there is, that, that he is keeping us for something greater. He is keeping us for a future that is far greater than, than having all of your retirement plans solid. He's keeping us forever. Look, look at verse 24. He says, That I desire that they also, whom you've given me, may be with me where I am, I think he's talking about everything. With, with him in his death, with him in his resurrection, with him in his glory, with him in his eternal home. He's able to keep us in him, where Jesus is. And, and look at this, that what, right now we don't see the glory of Jesus like we, like we hope, but one day we will. Look, look, in, look in verse 24, it says, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. He says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you and these know you that you have sent me. I've made known your name and I'll continue to make it known. He says that the love with which you've loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus prays we might be kept united in him and kept united in him forever. See, the more we see of Jesus, the more we see his character and his nature, the more we would love God just like Jesus loves him. Do you hear Jesus' heart in this prayer? And here's the cool thing, Jesus doesn't stop praying for us. Paul tells us in Romans eight that he stands before God continually making intercession for us this prayer we see here is a continuing prayer that we might be kept in him, kept secure, kept united, kept with his glory before us, kept in his love. He doesn't stop praying for us. He's our continual intercessor, always asking for what's best for us. So really you can rephrase the main idea to really that Jesus keeps us through prayer because that's what he continually does. That's our hope. And, And may that be our prayer as we Look at Jesus' prayer. May we pray like Him. May we pray that He might be glorified in our lives. May may we pray that we might be kept safe from the world, kept safe from the evil one. May we pray that we might be kept united in Him, kept focused on, on being in Him, kept focused on the fact that He keeps us in Him. And may we pray that he would keep us in him until we see him face to face. Amen? All right, let's pray. If the band will come up, we'll we'll sing. Jesus, thank you for revealing your heart to us and for us. Thank you for revealing the fact that, that you are able to keep us secure and you do keep us secure. Thanks for revealing how you keep us secure in you Lord, we trust not in ourselves, but we trust in you, Jesus, as our great high priest. Jesus, what you pray gets done. So Lord, our hope our trust is in you. May we hope in all the things that you prayed. May we trust in your ability to keep us secure to the end. Would you enable us to pray like you, for the same things you prayed. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing.